Evening podcast fans and welcome to uh, podcast number five of the happy happy board game loving uh, with me your genial host uh, Luke Morris. To, uh, this evening I'm doing this podcast sitting in my fine oak um, armchair. I have a smoking jacket on, a fine cravat as red as a robin's chest. I have a pipe in one hand uh, which I'm not actually smoking and a fine uh, glass of brandy in the other. I'm holding it correctly. I'm taking sniffs of it. I'm taking the odd swig of it. Oh, it's delightful. And uh, my maid is uh, um, raking the fire out from it at the moment. Uh, I'll have a blazing fire later on where I shall play with my uh, my ivory chess set with my uh, with my good friend Lord Snugglebottom uh, later on. But uh, before Lord Snugglebottom gets here, I thought I would... Uh, do a podcast for you plebs, uh, you nobodies, and quite rightly so, you you lower class riffraff. But I love you anyway, and I thought it'd be a good way to pass the time. Um, this week, I'm I've got a review for you. Um, I don't even know what the review is yet. That's how amazingly uh, um, little, yeah, amazingly little planning I do for this show. Um, I do have a slag of the week this week, which I'm pleased about. I missed it last week. I um, I look up which game I don't have the Buddha spirit for. I've played it once. Don't think I can ever play it again. Um, I look at um, which game is. Uh, oh, I don't know what it says. Ah, yes, and movie stars. Which um, games is movie stars? We've given you game movie star status. I talk about what should become a game in life. It's a little bit different this week to what it has been so far, and. Uh, I talk about game that I gave a second chance. Um, I've just got a feature for you about how to get more games played at Christmas. In fact, how to make Christmas as a whole a, a game, a games playing experience. You know, your grand might be over, she might not be into games, or your or your sombre looking uncle who uh, who likes just to sit there and uh, listen to the Queen and maybe stand up and salute while she speaks as well. But we can get them all playing games, and I'll explain how later on. So. Uh, I guess we'd better get into it with the first segment for this evening. Om, om, oh. Oi! Do I look like Buddha? Yeah, I can't resist it any longer tonight. We're going to kick off with Oi! Do I look like Buddha? This um, is a segment where I look at games that I've played uh, once and only once, and I would turn down a second. Um, chance there unless I'm forcibly forced into it forcibly um, but it's unlikely I'll go for it uh, this week um, it might be a little bit of a surprise to you the people that have been listening from the first week where I did my top 10 games will know that I'm a big fan of Carcassonne it's my most played game this year I've played it like 60 odd times or something this year most of those just to play out with the good lady who is a who's probably out a clay pigeon shooting on the estate or something at the moment. Um, hopefully she'll be back soon to make my tea. Um, anyway, yeah, we're a big fan of Carcassonne and especially with the add-on inns and cathedrals. So when my good gaming buddy Richard came round to uh, Morris Mansion the other week uh, with Carcassonne the City, I thought, hey, why not, you know? I'm I'm a bit sceptical about too many add-ons for Carcassonne, but I'll give it a go. Uh, it's designed by Klaus Jürgen Rader. It's uh, published by Rio Grande Games, as uh, the majority of things seem to be these days. Uh, it takes two to four players, which is less than the original Carcassonne. Um, it plays up to 30 minutes, apparently. The idea is very much the same as Carcassonne. Uh, if you don't know what Carcassonne is, check out all the different bo- uh, board game podcasts that are better than mine that do a good job of it explaining such games or go to www.boardgamegeek.com and type in Carcassonne it's spelled the same way as the rather picturesque French town 
Anyway, um, the idea is you lay tiles down, they match, so uh, roads, they're all squares, so a road on one tile will match with uh, the road on another tile. You're not allowed to place a tile if it doesn't match, or towns, like one tile have a bit of town on, then you have to match it with another tile, and bits of grass for fields, and so on and so forth. And the beauty is in that everything matches up perfect, and you know exactly where things are going. You put little wooden men on, which are lovingly called meeples, which are bright coloured little wooden men, uh, and once an area is complete, you score points for it. Now, Carcassonne the City adds this a uh, wall mechanic. So you're building a city up with a wall around it. Um, <coughs> after things have been closed off and points are scored, people get to add walls to the city that's been done so far. It kind of closes the city in and brings about sort of an end to it and narrows down your options later on. Um, you get points for doing different things with the walls, putting people up on the walls to look over the city or putting towers in. Um, the reason I didn't like Carcassonne City is it's stupid! It makes my brain hurt! You see, in Carcassonne you have to match everything. In this, things don't have to match properly. A city can just, like, a bit of city, a bit of like, uh, I don't know, a bit of dirt ground with buildings can just cut across a marketplace, like a greeny bit. It's stupid! Like, where you, in Carcassonne you can see Vumpf, I'm going for that. Vumpf, I'm doing that. I know what I'm planning. And this is just no idea. You can just put bits pretty much anywhere. Only the roads have to link up. Which is ridiculous. It's stupid. And I hated the concept. And even though I won the game in my first attempt, as I tend to do in games, because I tend to be brilliant at pretty much anything I play, even though I won this, and you'd think that because of it, I'd think it's alright. I hated it. It didn't work for me. I think Richard understood that. Um, perhaps hates... A bit too strong a word. I like to reserve that only for Ra, which is in its own little barrel of hate at the bottom of my garden. Um, but it just the way it worked is very clumsy, and it's almost like they had to allow more things to touch up so that they could imp get this wall system working and kind of dumb it down a bit. So you don't have to be quite so smart with it all. I think you get less meeples as well. I might be completely wrong with that. The meeples are uglier and little squat short things. And while the wall mechanic is kind of clever, it doesn't add enough to it for me, you know, and it came in a nice wooden casket that was like some kind of the pirate buried treasure, which is all very flush, but, you know, even if it came in some kind of bejeweled um, briefcase, it wouldn't make any difference to the game. And so for me, Kirk's on the City, oh, it's, it makes my brain hurt and my teeth hurt with how wrong it is and how it is uh, weeing all over the Carcassonne tradition as far as I'm concerned. As I always say uh, at this point, um, if you agree with me, then please email me at hamsterofury at hotmail.com and say how amazing I am. Uh, there's no P in hamster, by the way. Um, and if you disagree with me and want to explain why Carcassonne the City is the greatest game I've ever played and why the original Carcassonne smells bad, then uh, email the same address and um, I will read out any replies uh, next week in the same segment. So that's the end of that and moving on, I guess. It's all gone Pete Tong, you slag! Yeah, yes, another negative segment. I'm starting to wonder whether my naming of this podcast might have been a little bit ironic, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, anyway, this segment, uh, the slag se segment, is about a game that maybe I've played a few times. Uh, first time I liked it, but maybe after a couple of goes I'm not quite so keen on it anymore. You know, I don't know um, for what reason, but I will look into it in this segment. Um this week's segment, I guess, could be subtitled How to Lose the Respect and Friendship of Board Games Around the World. Yes, because I'm targeting something for negative, uh, negative sort of feedback that not many people look at negatively. In fact, people might put their teeth together and maybe uh, draw their breath into it when I mention it. Um, but this game this week, my slag of the week, is actually Power Grid. I know, oh, for those of you that don't know, Power Grid is a game that was designed by Freedom and Freezer, um, uh, published by, oh look, Rio Grande Games, 
that's very exciting. The playing time is a couple of hours, um, plays two to six players, and the uh, thrilling concept of the game is that you are building uh, power plants to power um, cities in different countries. So um, there's different board games for it, so you could uh, play in Italy, or France, or America, or Benelux, or Central Europe, or Germany, and uh, create some kind of amazing pipeline of electricity to save the world, make yourself loads of cash, and become the richest, most successful um, power owner person in the whole of the world, or something. Um, it's rated on Board Game Geek, which does a rating for all the games. It's rated number four. It's the fourth best game of all time. Everything mankind has ever done in the whole world with regards to entertainment and games. This is the fourth best thing we've ever done. Wow! This is incredible. It's like a gem. A gem in my hand. And uh, I'm really in love with it. And I've not played it that many times. I've maybe played it about four times. And I'm already like, ugh something about it and I'll explain it because I don't hate it in any way I don't think it's a bad game in any way it would be wrong of me to say it's a bad game you know a lot of the time I'll, I will say that if I think something is bad it's my opinion and it's obviously me in the wrong so everyone else likes it and uh, I'll probably go with it here as well um, the concept of it as well as sort of the theme of it is there's different parts of it so you have to bid money for the different power plants then you have to buy the raw goods to power the plant. Different plants need different amount of goods. Uh, you pay to power different cities by putting them on your little houses then if you're there no one else can go in there to start with and then one person can go there a bit later on and then finally at the end two more people can go in there with you. So you can block people off cunningly. Um, it comes with rather uh, lovely with my little finger thing around the word lovely pay for money and um, the artwork's alright I guess. It's not my favourite artwork in the world but it's bright enough and the cards of the power plants on look pretty decent however my problem with the game is this I respect the game I see why it is good I see why it works well and I'm not a big Ameritrash fan oh can we say that Luke Ameritrash I don't know I don't know if it's allowable to say Ameritrash anymore whether I'm cool by saying the word Ameritrash whether I'm kind of a bit too geeky by saying it or whether I'm being a bit Euro snooty about it all um, Ameritrash games tend to be um, older games normally there's some new ones as well which are more a bit more uh, tend to be a bit more luck based um, maybe with dice and stuff but have a rich theme of uh, vampires or zombies or something but anyway you know Power Grid I do find a bit dry I'm a big fan of the Euro game or the designer game or what this podcast is mostly about otherwise I wouldn't be doing the podcast I love a good uh, designer game I love little wooden blocks in my games I love beautiful cards in my games I I get all dribbly and excited when I see Reiner name on a box um, or Kramer's name oh there's so many wonderful uh, Euro things out there but Power Grid is dry for me. It becomes a maths fest. I'm working out in my head exactly if I've got enough money to do what I need to do the whole time to the nearest dollar or euro or whatever it is I'm spending. Who knows? And while some people love it, some people love it, I'm I'm fine with maths. I enjoy a bit of maths. If I'm bored I'll add things up just to just to pass the time. But when I'm playing a game for two and a half hours with other people that are scrutinizing every single move then it just drains the life out of me and that's the problem I still respect it I know it's a good game but I don't enjoy it enough when someone says let's play, play Power Grid tonight it's going to take up the next two or three hours and it's going to be a brain burner it doesn't fill me with joy there's other brain burning games I'd rather play especially like the power um, the sorry the action point games like a Java, like a Tikal or something, you know, a game that can take a long time, it can be really brain burning and people, uh, especially that Java is full of analysis paralysis which is where there's so many options you just get stuck in trying to work out points and things like that, your best move 
but for me Peregrine's worse than that um, you know, some people don't see it like that but I do and the theme's okay the theme's better than industrial waste at least you're making the power rather than disposing of the waste of it who wants to dispose waste from a nuclear reactor or something stupid um, that's why that sounded a bit scathing actually um, perhaps I was meaning to be um, I, I can't say more. I'm repeating the same thing really over and over again my main problem for Power Grid is that very good game but rather play many other things I think the first time I played it I might have rated it an 8 or an no, nah, I wouldn't have rated it at nine. An eight, it's gone down to seven. I think it's going down to six now because, according to the ratings that we have in Board Game Geek, uh, we not being me as anything to do with it, just a user, um, is more about how much you want to play it. And six is kind of yeah, I'll play it, but there's other things I'd rather play. And I think that goes for Power Grid. So please, n you know, send me emails telling me how stupid I am and how I've missed the point. Um, Hamster Fury at hotmail.com don't sign me up to porn sites or junk mail you know I've got enough emails telling me that my penis is too small and uh, my wife's rubbish and that I should cheer up some girl in India or something to last me a lifetime so uh, none of those but you know if you think I'm wrong then please a nice message to tell me why I'm wrong and I will read out your defence next week so there is Power Grid is my slag of the week it got a second chance, got a second chance, got a second, got a second, got a second chance. Right, time for a change of mood and attitude. I'm going to be happy and happy and happier and happier still. Now uh, my maid has refilled my brandy glass to full. You'd never see so much brandy in your life. I'm half cut already. My, uh, my jacket is hanging open. One of my slippers has fallen onto the floor and one of my hunting dogs doesn't know what to do with itself um, we're going to look at what game I've given a second chance um, quite recently this one goes back a month or so um, it's a game that I is slightly different in that my other second chances I've played once not thought too highly of it but played it again and wunderbar the world has come alive and everything works wonderfully um, yeah, it's slightly different, of course, to my Buddha of the week, as the Buddha game I just won't play again, whereas the games I've given a second chance to are normally games I normally think are okay, and I'm willing to try again. Um, this week, the game is a game that I hadn't played when I'd already decided I was never going to play it. And you know why? It was because of the way it looked, and that is a cardinal sin, kids. Never judge a book by its cover. Um, the game I'm talking about is uh, Ingenious, or as it can be known in the UK, which is where I live, America, fans, I'm in England. Let's all set together, everyone in the world. England. Now, here's a question for everyone. Is Scotland in England? No, it's not. Scotland and England are different. England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland make up Great Britain and the United Kingdom as Isle of Wight and all sorts of exciting places in. But, um, so I'm English and I'm British. Brilliant, I can be two things at once. Not every country can say that. Anyway, um, in the UK, this game is also known as Mensa Connections after the fine, uh, the fine brain party Mensa. Um, this game is designed by Rainer Knizia, so of course it has some kind of cunning uh, mathematical um, equation way of working out who wins. It's not that clever, but yeah. it's uh, published by Fantasy Flight Games, Sophisticated Games, Piatnik, and a billion other companies as well. Plays one to four, although I've only played it four player once. The rest of the time has been two player with the good lady. It's quite a short fillery type game, I'd call it. Twenty minutes maybe, especially two players. And it's about placing tiles down. Now these tiles are sort of black hexagons and they have different coloured dots on yellow, blue, purple, green, resin, orange. And you just lay them on this very boring looking board with looks like a honeycomb and it's grey and misty like a winter's morning in Shrewsbury or something. Um, not that I've ever, I've ever spent a winter's winter's morning in Shrewsbury. I don't think I have. I've been to Shrewsbury but not on a winter's morning. Anyway, um, so that's a lie. I do apologise to people of Shrewsbury. 
for bad mouthing your town um, please don't email me um, ever um, anyway the idea is that you place these down um, if you get one of your yellow tile next to other yellow tiles you score yellow points for yourself if you lay purple next to purple you score purple points for yourself and you add up all your scores and whoever has collected the least points um, you look sorry let me start again you look at whichever one you've scored the least of in um, at the end of the game so if I'd scored 8 of everything and uh, 7 purple I would score um, 7 my score would be 7 and if my good lady had scored uh, 14 of everything and, uh, and 5 of just one thing she'd get 5 and I'd win because she'd have the lowest overall so it's whoever's got the highest lowest if that makes sense in the case of draw you got the next one up and so on and so on but I won't bore you with the rules because I'm not here as a rules person I'm here to speak from the heart anyway so when I first looked at the game online and that I saw oh look it's got it's rated the 47th best game ever created everyone likes it it's by a designer I tend to like although I'm not a big um, knitzia whore and go look he's got a new game um, but uh, you know, I like the guy's designs. He's very mathematical in a nice, easier way, which I like. And um, it it just oh, it just filled me with dread the concept of it. Someone bought his board game club once, and I shunned it like some kind of deformed beast of burden from hell or something. Um, but I was wrong to do it because uh, when I found out that it was going cheap in a TK Maxx, which is kind of a second-handy type shop in the UK, a big chain that gets loads of clothes in from fancy shops and flogs them off a bit cheaper um, they were flogging this for £7.99 uh, which is good in the UK and so I got it we sat down forced myself to play it and loved it and so purely because of the cost and the low cost and the fact that I thought mm, the only way I can get a game today when I'm in town is to go for this cheaper one the, the good lady won't mind too much that way and uh, my cunning plan works. So there's a tip to everyone. Just first of all, maybe mention an expensive game, and then go. Or I could get this. Look, it's only seven ninety nine. That's not very much at all. And this way, I won't go to the to the game shop and possibly spend more. I'm being a very good boy, aren't I? Or, but you know, maybe a little bit less wheezy than that. But you get the idea. Anyway, it's a great game. I suggest anyone that um, is interested in kind of more abstract point scoring then go for it I'm a big fan of abstract games um, and this one is as good as any I've played pretty much I think I'm rating it currently about an 8 out of 10 which is pretty good uh, I've refused to put it in my top 10 purely because it's still bad ugly but I do play it a lot and we've played it a lot in these last couple of months so there we are ingenious it got a second chance <laughs> ingenious that didn't really work Anyway, it's uh, it's time for the feature now. So uh, uh, put up your feet, um, take a take a sip of sherry, maybe a nibble on a on a mince pie, you old you old beast. Um, um, and let's let's think together about uh, Christmas, which is less than a month away, which is rather lovely. Of course, we have uh, my birth date come first, which is the sixteenth of December. So if anyone has a too much money in their pocket and uh, wants to support a, a fine charity, namely myself, then uh, then all donations of money, presents, or love on that day will be happily accepted. But uh, enough of that. Let's talk about Christmas. Christmas is a time uh, for me, especially where. Um, I get together with my family and now the in-laws who uh, fortunately I get on well with thank goodness for that um, my my mother-in-law lets me call her things like a dragon or tip the back of a chair up because she knows she can be mean to me too and that's just the way I love it anyway uh, we spend every other year at uh, the in-laws for Christmas and then at my folks down in Kent uh, which is the southeast of England hence my rather wonderful accent um, for New Year and then uh, sort of last year we spent the Christmas at my parents and New Year at um, the good lady's um, parents with her sister her sisters and uh, brother-in-law so um, 
it's, I like both and both are very different um, we do tend to get quite a few games like this last couple of years we've actually played a good number of games um, over sort of both periods which is great and like last year I came home from my parents with like 14 new games either like brand new or ones that uh, my mum who works in a charity shop um, has sort of held for me and found for me which is very nice huh? um, so we get games played but I know some people aren't as blessed as me with a, a wonderful family who will <laughs> sorry I'm not saying all your families are rubbish um, perhaps I am um, but don't take it um, in a bad way and please don't be offended I'm sure they have their uses and their purposes anyway um, you know some of you maybe are, have a family that are wonderful and are loving and are brilliant and you have a great time but they don't openly go for playing games and you'd like to know how you can um, bring games your favourite games into sort of the Christmas period maybe Christmas Day Boxing Day uh, Christmas Eve the day after Boxing Day when everyone's just a bit sort of zonked out my plan as usual this year is to um, we could get to my in-laws I think on the 23rd and I'm not going to leave the house again until the 27th I think they'll go for a walk on the uh, Boxing Day um, at about half nine, ten in the morning, and um, sort of historically, while the while the six of them have gone out, I've uh, got up late, had a nice shower, and put the kettle on for them when they come in, and that, that's my little ritual. And I really like it, and they've kind of understood that a bit more now. Anyway, um, enough of my Christmas. I'm just telling you what I'm gonna do for Christmas this year, and then. Uh, had a meat I'm hoping that I'll have some red meat rather than white meat meat so I don't really like chicken or turkey uh, maybe a nice goose might be fine or a duck anyway um, a goose <laughs> yes a goose with with my sherry and my brandy and my cigars how lovely and uh, some games so this is my guide to how to get more games into your Christmas are you ready are you relaxed sat back and I will begin. Number one! My number one is something that kind of takes a bit of planning. Uh, not too much, don't be scared. Um, when you find out what crackers, if you're the man supplying the crackers or the lady supplying the crackers, um, or if you have parents or in-laws supplying the crackers, make sure you get a hold of them just before they go onto the table. Then what you need to do is get two um, of each coloured meeple which we've been through before this season, haven't we, children? Little wooden people from, say, Carcassonne. So two blues, two reds, two greens, two yellows, so on. And put two of the same colour, squidge them through the little hole where the little poppy cracker bit is into the crackers. So everyone has two of the same coloured meeple in their cracker. When they pull it, oh, they get a hat, they get the exciting bang, they get the joke, which is brilliant, or the riddle, which is less good. I would like at this point to tell you my favourite ever cracker joke. Um, when I when I say the joke, I would like you all to take a second out of your day and say, "I don't know, Luke. What?" Um, and then sort of answer the question back to me, and then I will give you the answer. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, when is a car not a car? I don't know, Luke. When is a car not a car? When it's stationary. Oh, <laughs> I love that joke. It's a good joke, and I love it not in a postmodern ironic sense because I'm a twenty-something and I'm so cool, and I can, I can, I think I can pull off a mullet, and um, that should be from the eighties because I'm so cool, or a dodgy dress sense, or um, listening to poor music. It's not in that sense. I actually like the joke, not that I've got a mullet um, anymore. Um, oh dear, that's depressing. Anyway. Um, when you when everyone's got their meeples and they're looking a bit shocked after they've sort of played with their little fish that curls up at the ends to fortune tell or made their little rubbish little plastic puzzle or if they've been fortunate get the little screwdrivers or the or the nail clippers, um, then um, see we're going to be quite be quite poor in my family. Um, they will see these meeples and they you know some might know about the meeples but they won't know what to do. Now the idea is for the rest of this day. Anything they put their meeple on in the whole house is theirs. Brilliant. So if, if I wanted, um, if a bit later on I wanted um, all the Turkish Delight, I would put my meeple, so I the blue, I put my blue meeple on the Turkish Delight and that would give me control of it and no one else can touch it and then I can come back to it later and if my blue meeple's still there and hasn't been outnumbered, which I'll go into in a minute, and I get the Turkish Delight, 
it's a very good idea. Now, if I put my one blue meeple on the Turkish Delight, but say my father-in-law really wants the Turkish Delight, then he, with the green meeples, could put both of his on, and now he's overpowering me because he's got more meeples. But he's, of course, he's put both his meeples in the same um, proverbial basket, because we all know Turkish Delight comes in a sort of a cardboard container and not a basket, then uh, he gets the Turkish Delight. And I feel gutted, and he gets taken, and I get my blue meeple back, and then he gets his green meeples back. If we both have one on there, then we get to share them in a loving bout of uh, family sharing. So I think this this would work very well for the day. Um, by putting the, my blue meeple on top of the television, I get to choose what's on TV next. Uh, by putting my blue meeple on a chair, I get to sit in that chair, and there's some cheeky beggar puts both theirs on there, and so on and so forth. And the answer to the game itself brings a kind of a, a carcassonne-like um, area control scoring victory point situation that helps you in your day, and it's a nice way to um, to spend the day. And a lot of fun and hijinks can be had, and I really hope someone does try this out, and let me know how it goes. Number two. Now, I like a good uh, a good balancing game where I'm building up um, towers of things, having to put more and more things on top. Sort of a dexterity game, um, trying to fit all different shaped pieces up before anything collapses. Um, and then maybe someone else has to do it without it collapsing. I think Jenga but better. And there's a load of games like that around. Um, now, on Christmas Day, something that we all have that um, has lots of different shapes in is our roast dinner. So um, when the roast dinner is brought to the table and uh, everything's laid out and people start putting stuff on their plates or if their stuff is already on their plates and you've got your stuff on your plates, um, then on the word of go, everyone one at a time has to place um, something on the plate on something else. So for example, I could pile a roast potato on a bit of broccoli and try and make sure it's balanced and then everyone else would have a go and I'd maybe place I don't know maybe one of these little sausages wrapped in bacon on top of that uh, structure making it a little bit higher and um, everyone else would have a go then maybe uh, a Brussels sprout because I have one every year I have a moral objection to Brussels sprouts but I will have one because it's Christmas and it's a special treat for the Brussels sprout so maybe I can put that on top of the sausage and so on and so on and so on. When someone's structure collapses, they're out and uh, they can start eating. And then uh, when there's only one person left and everyone else is out, then they are the winner and they get to eat their cold roast. So there we go. That's a good dexterity game for Christmas. So piling up your roast dinner so there's only one person left without it all collapsing. Number three. So we've covered a cartoon type game. We've covered a dexterity type game. Now let's go for a Settlers of Catan type game. A lot of people know Settlers of Catan. You uh, you have your little island of Catan, you build your towns there, you roll dice, two dice, and then depending on where you are, if you're next to a place with the number that is rolled, you get that good. So if I'm next to a, uh, a, a field with sheep in, which has a number eight on, and the two dice are rolled and number eight comes up, I get a sheep. It's brilliant, if only it was real. Um, Anyway, for Christmas, we're rolling dice for presents. How clever is that? Each present will have a number. Instead of a name to someone, the varied presents will have numbers on top. There'll be, uh, of course, there's no sevens. I'll go into this later. But there'll be eights, which are which are quite good because you know they're near seven, and there's more eights that will be rolled. Uh, sixes as well. Going out sort of two and twelve, which isn't really rolled, but they might be the uber presents, the really good presents. So on your turn, you take the dice, you uh, roll the dice, whichever one you get, you get that present. You know, it might be something you might like, or it might be uh, your nan's uh, facial hair remover thing, or blackhead remover or something. Um, you know, and if you've got a blackhead problem, then brilliant. If not, don't worry, because things might look up later on. Now, um, once you've uh, got your present, you take your present. Um, then it's the next person's going, so what? Now, if someone rolls a seven, they get to steal someone else's present and add it to their pile of presents. So don't get too attached to that blackhead remover because someone else may take it off you. So I don't know who, but someone might. Um, 
Now, if you've got three presents you don't particularly like, you can go to the, the so-called port, which is by the tree, and trade in your three presents for another one from under the tree. As long as it's not a 12 or a 2, you can trade those three presents in to get a new single present, and those three go back under the tree. So there you go. That is like a present, uh, present set as a turn, and that is something to do while you open your presents. Number four. Now I've got long and hard about this one actually today. I did a bit of uh, thinking about it at work when uh, I probably should have been working, but let's not tell my boss that. Um, I thought I would incorporate some kind of Puerto Rico style to the uh, the Christmas afternoon. You see, you've uh, got the crackers ready. You've um, pulled them after making your sort of tower of roast. You've been putting your little meeples everywhere throughout the whole day, you've opened your presents, and now you're going to do um, all the different things people do in the afternoon. Now all these things are written on cards, and they're placed in the middle of the lounge next to each other. And uh, everyone will get a turn, uh, get to choose what is done that afternoon. Um, there might be a couple that are left over that no one does. But the person that chooses that what gets done gets an advantage in when that is done. So for example, Again, taking the example of me, my good lady, her parents, her sister, her other sister, and her uh, brother-in-law. Um, my wife's sister may go first, and she might go, mm, I'm going to choose the card that says TV. She takes up the TV card. It doesn't mean transvestite. It means television. Um, perhaps she didn't know that before. Perhaps she might change her mind now. But let's say she didn't. Um, she chooses t TV. Now, for the next hour we will all watch TV because you know you do that at Christmas you might be lucky and get a film you might get Toy Story 2 for the fifth year in a row or you might get the Queen's Speech or you uh, might get the Coronation Street Christmas Special which isn't so good but you see that's why it's so important to choose the TV card because that everyone gets the ability to watch TV but the person that chose it gets to choose which channel you see very clever now, after you've watched TV, which is something you do at Christmas, it may be my um, my father-in-law's turn. Now he's sort of getting a bit tired by this point, so he takes the card that says sleep. And now that means we all get to have a nap for an hour or half an hour, but he gets to choose the comfiest chair first. So that's his bonus. He gets to choose the chair, and the rest of us have to put up with you know where we're sitting at that point. So that's his bonus. Then it might be my turn. I, I might be thinking cunningly about this because I've seen the big pile of washing up and there is a washing up card and perhaps I don't really feel like washing up but I take the card because what that means is we all have to do the washing up and putting away but um, I only have to wash the wine glasses because that is my bonus so that's brilliant you know I don't really want to do the washing up now but if I have to do it later and someone else chooses it I might have to do proper hardcore washing up and I hate that I only want to do the glasses so I choose washing up, and my bonus is washing the glasses. And my wife wants to play charades, and uh, so she takes the charades card, because it's Christmas, and you're forced to play charades, and your nan won't shut up until you do. Um, I love my nan, so she never asks us to, so perhaps I'm sort of misinterpreting old women across the world, and I do apologise for that. But um, my wife takes the charades card. Now this means we all play charades, but my wife's special bonus is she doesn't have to, she can go and do something else. And then finally, um, my mother-in-law, um, again not um, sort of tiring her with a certain brush, she'll choose the get drunk on sherry cards, which is great. Um, we all have to, we're all forcibly forced to get drunk on sherry until we're pretty doolally, but only she is allowed to tell everyone else how much better Christmas was in her old days. You know, when she was a kid, she can it works better for the old people as well so it's a good one for them to get while we're all drunk and we've enjoyed getting drunk but she gets to tell stories of the 60s and of how great Christmas was then in black and white when everyone got an orange and a train set or something so you know that's bringing in the idea of um, of that for Christmas number five <laughs> Right, number five, um, it's evening now, um, and thoughts turn to the people that 
could be at Christmas with you. Maybe your um, an elderly aunt who can turn up. Maybe a, a grandparent. Maybe a brother or sister that can be there. And um, you normally have a phone call with them on Christmas Day. Now, um, this year, your phone call is going to be different. Instead of just phoning up and talking for 20 minutes about how their day's been and all the wonderful things their kids have got that they're shouting down the phone at you, um, everyone at your um, at your house or whoever's house you're at um, can take it in turns, and you're all going to say one line each into the phone. Now, this will probably confuse the person at the end of the phone, but that's part of the fun, and you may get some answers back from them. And between you afterwards, you have to. Um, piece all the information together that you know and work together to try and understand what your uh, relative or friend was saying. So for example, I may start, I may want to phone my mum and my dad on Christmas Day to say uh, Merry Christmas to them. Uh, so I'll ring them up, uh, hi mum, dad, uh, Merry Christmas to you, um, how was your day? And they'll start talking and I'll say, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, that's really good. And then I'll hand the phone over to my brother-in-law who will um, speak, he'll have to, on the spur of the moment, come up with something to speak about with them for 30 seconds. And then he'll change to uh, my uh, sister-in-law, who will do the same, and my wife, and so on and so on and so on. So my parents have no idea what's going on. They're talking to completely different people. Uh, we've all got different information about their day that we then have to sit down and piece together. Now for an added bonus, perhaps one of the people at our house could be the cunning and evil uh, backstabbing traitor and they will try and put false information in about the day and we won't know about that until unless we out them and prove that they're the traitor and that they're trying to lie to us about what my parents have done that day and uh, if we if we realize who who it is we win if not we find out a very strange version of my uh, parents day so there are the five games you should play at christmas everyone can play you don't need a board you don't need to sit down and play it, it can just be incorporated into your day and I really hope that all of you out there take um, great fun from this and you actually get on and do it as I will play all five of those on Christmas Day. Absolutely, definitely, without a doubt. Games as movie stars. I apologise first of all if you hear a bit of mouse clicking in this next segment. I've got to flick around a bit uh, for some of the information for this. Anyway, uh, games as movie stars. My theory in life is that games and movie stars are exactly the same thing. I ask you, have you ever seen a movie star and a game in the same room together? The answer is definitely no. So uh, in this segment I look at how um, Rutger Hauer is very similar to Dean Macker. How uh, Ewan McGregor is uh, very similar to Through the Desert. How Tony Leung is practically Java. And so on and so forth. Uh, so this week I'm looking at um, another game and another movie star. Both of which most people in the world should know. There's a little hint. First up, hands up. And I actually want to see those hands. Who's ever heard of a little game called Risk? Okay, that's most of you. Even uh, you at work with your boss looking at you, uh, with your little earphones in, you got your hands up? I'm not moving on until you put it up. Okay, um, so that was a yes. Um, Risk, of course, is a very well-known game where um, you, t you strive to take control of countries and continents with your little army men, with their little wooden bits or little plastic bits or little... Uh, plastic soldiers with little cannons and horses and stuff and then you uh, you roll dice to attack other places and so you can take them over so you can get more armies and more cards and which give you more armies and you can take over the world in one big joyous union there's been a lot of variations on risk um, some of which are, are pretty average and some of which are apparently very good like uh, risk at 22 Adil, whatever it's called, the um, the one where you fight on the moon as well, um, which is all futuristic, is apparently very good. I've not played it, but I take it from people that it's very good. Star Wars Risk is supposed to have some very good parts to it. Um, even Narnia Risk isn't supposed to be too bad. They're all sort of taken the concept of Risk, which I enjoyed as a kid. I played a lot of Risk and I enjoy it. It's seen as a very um, middle-of-the-road game. It's seen as a good starter point for war games for people. And I thoroughly encourage people to get their kids playing Risk. It's a great game. In fact, um, I had a friend of mine that was playing it with his two kids. 
last week. I think his kids are six and uh, four, maybe seven and five, something like that. And uh, he sort of didn't lay off them at all. He's like competitive dad from Fast Show, for those of you that have ever watched that, who, uh, who won't let them win. He was black and he dominated the board and swept them off. But, you know, it's good for them and they enjoy it, surprisingly. And uh, Risk is a good game that lots of people can play. Um, I always remember on my copy of Risk as a kid, it, on the box it had uh, the slogan, Games that bring people closer together. And I thought, not after you've spent three hours destroying them, it doesn't. I always thought it was very funny. I used to laugh myself to bed at night with that. Anyway, Risk is a mainstream game, but it's got some really good versions of itself. That's why Risk is like... That Scientology loon, but wonderful actor, Tom Cruise. Yes, that's right, folks. Uh, any Scientologist listening, it was a joke. It was a joke, just like your beliefs. <laughs> oh, must say that. Anyway, um, didn't say that. Don't sue, don't sue. Um, anyway, moving on. Um, Tom Cruise is an actor. That's right. He uh, he can earn a lot of money in a film. He's perhaps the most uh, one of the most famous actors of um, his age. He's now 44 years old. He's proper old and stuff. And he don't look a day over 18. Anyway, you know, for um, a very sort of middle-of-the-road supposed actor, big Hollywood name, um, with some films that I'm not a big fan of, like Mission Impossible 2, <laughs> he has made some very good films. Like Risk, it's got the standard Risk, which is very mainstream. It doesn't mean so it's bad. But they've got some different variations that are very good. So, for example, very few people would say that... Jerry Maguire was rubbish. Some might, but I quite like it. Some would say that very few would say that Born on Fourth of July is rubbish or Rain Man. You know, for every uh, Top Gun or Cocktail, um, which is all very sort of schmoozy and 80s, there's um, Vanilla Sculpture, I think it's great. Minority Report, which is good. Magnolia, where he's brilliant in and completely different. Collateral, very good again. Even Last Samurai, which is not bad. You know, he's done, he's done this sort of. Um, a string of films he just really got into his rhythm and so while he's the big name the Hollywood name like Risk is um, he does other films that maybe aren't seen quite so sort of mainstream that are brilliant so for that I would say Risk is Tom Cruise and therefore I've got a lot of respect for both of them it's a, a double handed salute Oh, and uh, in case the Scientologists are listening or want to sue me, uh, this is Mike Hibbert, and you're listening to Into the Gamescape. Good evening, everyone, and uh, welcome to the final of the world Puerto Rico Championships here in Nicaragua. With us today in the final table, we have a great final for you. We have uh, Benny Big Guns McGinty, the young pretender. We have Stevie McAllister, the four-time world champion. We have Jay Coffeepot Stevens, a young, brash, exciting talent from North America. And we have the big tomato. He's been around for 14 years now playing many games before Puerto Rico, but many would say he was made for this game. You join us in the closing stages as Benny Big Guns McGinty chooses his role for this round. He's had an interesting game so far. It's hard to tell, but we feel he may be near the lead in victory points, but he's low in money. So, will he take the set-like option because of the extra two coins on it. That would be the obvious choice. That's the one he should take. Nay, I believe that's the one he should definitely take. Oh, he's taken the craftsman. He's producing goods. That's not good. He's helping others out as well as himself. I think he's realized that immediately. The big tomato is smiling mockingly at him. He knew the move to take. He's played this game 413 times. He was willing to tell him what move he should have made, and now he's laughing at him in a mocking manner. 
They take their tobacco. They take their sugar and indigo. They take their corn. And most of all, they take whatever dignity they have left and lay it on the table. It's Stevie McAllister's turn now. What will he choose? He's chosen the mayor. He's getting more slaves. I, I'm getting in my earpiece. We can't say slaves, but they are slaves. But for this purpose of the world championship, they are brown colonists. We're being told there was no such thing as slavery back then. Just happy colonists. He's gone for the colonists to fill his small warehouse and to fill his new sugar plantation. It's a good move, but late on is it enough? Especially with uh, J. Coffeepot Stevens. He's reaching, yes, he's reaching for the captain. Of course, it's the obvious choice. He's placing his coffee on the ships. That's a great move. He's cutting other people's opportunities out. That is fine. He's going to pick up many points for that. He does it with a smile. Benny Big Guns McGinty swears. I've never heard such filthy sailor-like swearing in all my life. And I was a sailor once. Finally, the big tomato. I think he can finish the game. But is it in his interests? Stevie McAllister is shaking his head. He knows he's beaten. He hasn't played very well tonight. He's tried to go out on his own way and not follow what everyone else has told him. And I think, as everyone else believes, that was an error. The big tomato, he reaches for the building. Big guns will not be happy. He does not have the money for it. And the big tomato completes his building. He's going to get big bonus points for that. No one else can build. The big tomato who's stolen a march. He will be proud of what he has done. And I think he has won. All that is left is adding up. So, they add up their points. While I do this, I would just like to say thank you very much to our sponsors for the coverage here. ESPN's Puerto Rico Live radio broadcast and our 40 million listeners. This is, of course, the greatest game ever made. And it's perfect for the radio. So they count up. Big Tomato has uh, 37 points. The crowd appreciate that. They give him a round of applause. Benny Big Guns McGinty. 36 points. It's, it's close, but it's not enough. Jay, the coffee pot Stevens, he's not happy. 24 points. It was never his game from the very beginning. He was always on catch-up after not getting enough quarries at the beginning and focusing too much on corn, a strategy which did not work for this game. Stephen McAllister is left. Surely he has lost as he has done his own thing and not followed what other people have done. But no! 42 points for Stephen McAllister! The victory is his! Amazing! I've never seen such a thing before. McAllister takes the win. Thank you very much. Join us again next week for the European Championships. Thank you for listening. And remember... They're colonists, not slaves, even though you don't pay them. Oh, I'm going to have to stop doing that. My throat's killing me. I think it might be the last ever one of those. Oh, never mind. It should be a game. Right, this is a segment where I look at what should be a game in life. So far, I've mainly done computer games from times past or present or films but uh, this week I do something different as I take something from real life that should be made into a game as nothing is better than real life um, I hate most things well, apart from most things I hate uh, shopping uh, I don't mind shopping for fun things whether it's games of course or clothes or uh, computer games or films or music or presents although I like to do a lot of my Christmas present shopping on the internet it's easier and I don't have to go outside into Birmingham which is a hole and it's busy um, at Christmas but the thing I don't like shopping for is food I don't like going supermarket shopping now this goes back um, to my childhood I've got deep rooted anxiety issues about supermarkets um, there are lots of things I don't like about supermarkets but I think that 
in a cathartic manner these things could be addressed in a game that is realistic that gets to the bottom of the matter and is enjoyable at the same time it is just going to be called I think I want whoever that makes it to keep this game let's just call it supermarket shopping you see it's clever it's simple it tells me what to do see what I would like in this game and it should be a game mind you I hope the designers are listening I have heard that um, that Kramer and Knizia and um, even Martin Wallace they tend to sit around together in a little circle and listen to this podcast and say it's about time they did something about it and this may be the one that takes um, might, ta- might take that sort of glint of excitement and be made the idea is um, everyone that plays are shoppers in a supermarket there are non-player controlled shoppers that move around in a manner that they can't control it's controlled by some mechanic in the game and the idea is to get uh, certain goods um, and get out now um, depending on what player you choose and so sort of kind of what role you choose there are um, different um, ways this happens so for example if you are a male shopper right and this is going to be really sexist and you know who cares it's all true <laughs> I'm going to be ageist as well probably so wait for that if you are a male you um, your advantage is that you don't get stressed however you tend to let other people through more you tend to go oh, that's alright that's alright you can go through it. and therefore you will move at a slower rate around the supermarket and um, if sort of a non-player character or another character wants to barge past you you have to let them because you know that's what I'm like when I go to the supermarket I'm just like yeah go in front of me I'm not bothered even if I'm in a rush I just can't be bothered with the stress of uh, diving in everywhere arms flying grabbing things punching people in the face I've seen horrific fights in Sainsbury's I've seen eyes gouged out I've seen legs ripped off oh it's horrible and that's only on a Monday afternoon when it's only the old ladies there <laughs> Um, so if you're a man that if you're a female you get um, higher stress but you get to move quicker because you see the bargains and you dive in and you do things better you're sort of plan you're focused you've got your plan of action to go up R A down B up C down D up E down F and well betide anyone that gets in the way if anyone reaches out for that last cheap pork chop you'll have their fingers off now that's the difference in that if you are um if you choose an elderly character, uh, you you sort of start the shop more during the day. If you're sort of a, a younger character, maybe uh, maybe sort of a a businessman type age, you can only work. You, you start in the evening, but there's a bonus for in the evening, which I'll explain later. And uh, if you're a student or an unemployed person, you know I'd probably just call student slash unemployed because they are the same thing. <laughs> I was a student once and I've been unemployed um, then you can go during the day as well however um, the idea is to get all your goods and there'll be some cunning mathematical equation you know it's it's Knizia's round not mine he can deal with it when he does the game um, of working out you get your shopping list you have to get the goods and it's like the price of the good multiplied by how stressed you are multiplied by how much time it's taking you to do it or something I don't know something like that but the idea is um, it's kind of risking your luck a bit because uh, if you wait for longer you see in the evening some goods get cheaper as they do in British supermarkets then someone goes around with the old gun um, not an actual gun this isn't America this is England a pricing gun and um, sort of lowers the prices so these these little uh, Morge 2 and baby sweet corn um, to get in a nice pack suddenly go down from £1.60 to 10 pence. it's brilliant sometimes it's a bit hit and miss and that's what I want in the game you know so sometimes you could be lingering by the bread aisle in the hope of a of a cheaper baguette but um, the baguette which is 79p goes down to 74p even though it's half stale you know it's all a bit random that's part of the fun of supermarket shopping late at night so of course the uh, young professionals would have the bonus in that um, they can um, get the bargains but they've kind of got less time to get it done in you know that's a bit worrying and they'll be more stressed for that the old people kind of chilled out about it but they've got to go before night time because uh, they're especially in Birmingham their old people's uh, bus passes which is free transport isn't allowed during proper times like end of work and that so they've got to be home by then and it gets a bit dark and uh, with cataracts and things like that it's quite hard to see at night 
So that would be the idea for that. The student um, has a fixed amount of money they can't spend anymore, and you know they have to buy extra items like booze and fags and uh, goodness knows what condoms probably. Um, that's added on to their list, and so you know they can't help that. So that's their disadvantage. Although they can be there for the whole day. So that is my idea. I think it's very good. I have no idea how to start it because I want it not to be too involving. In that I want it to be enjoyable, but I want it to, wouldn't want it to be seven hours. I wouldn't want it to be like real shopping. So I want it to be fun. And so if someone can make that game, I would buy it. I I hate shopping, but I would love that game. So phew, what do you know? I just like doing shopping in the in the comfort of my own home. So there we go. Supermarket shopping. Make it a game, please. Anyway, you know what? <laughs> it's uh, it's now into my podcast and uh, and my brandy needs refilling. Um, one of my dogs appears to have fallen asleep by my feet, and my uh, chess buddy will be around soon to play on my ivory and ebony chess sets. Uh, splendid, 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 splendid. So I can't spend any more time with such riffraff like you. Um, thank you for listening however um, if you want to get in contact with me uh, please email me at hamster h-a-m-s-t-e-r of fury or one word o-f-f-u-r-y at hotmail.com or I've got a username in uh, board game geek which is hamster fury which has some Japanese chick looking up and down and smiling um, and uh, that's it let me know anything about the show Thank you very much to the guys that gave me positive feedback. Um, I pretend I'm cocky and I'm sure of myself, but I cry myself to bed at night if I don't get positive things said about me. If anyone's got anything negative, but as long as it's kind of a... Well, it can be just downright negative. Say how much you hate me or how I can improve it, then please do that too. Um, I hate begging for feedback, I do apologise. My theme music is by Five Star Fool, who are pretty great, if you ask me, and it's from magnitude.com which is free music for podcasters and it's also like music you can use for um, other things that you sell but you kind of need to pay a little bit for the licensing rights for that but hey you know it's free for podcasters I'm using it thanks a lot for listening Um, I'm sure I'll get at least one or two more in before Christmas Um, maybe I'll do some kind of pre-Christmas New Year's feature that'd be quite exciting Thanks for listening. Continue listening, and uh, if you don't listen, I will get very angry at you and um, pour brandy in your ears. Good night. <laughs>